1: Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western honey. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week's episode is a bit of a throwback. Michael talks about what is Elk Calling Academy, how it started, his background, and, of course, gives you some Elk Calling right, tips. right, let's Enjoy get going. the episode. So,
2: <clears throat> hey, everybody, Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy. Welcome to Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. <laughs> So like I said, if this is your first time here, the way this works is I generally have a topic or two that I will start talking about. And then as you guys put in your live questions, we kind of go through those live questions and answer them as we can go. Um, Everything about this live Q&A is to help you guys shorten that learning curve so that you find success faster out in the Elkwoods. Now, because of the private lessons, the one-on-one lessons that I do, there is some information that I can't go into. Um, But I will definitely um, let you know if we kind of get into that realm based on your questions. So, all right. Facebook, Tony Walker. Hello, John Tim. I am doing well. Thank you. How are you, Scott? You started without me. Scott, I start without you pretty much every week. Uh, How much are they? The T-shirts are $24.99 it is front it is back so it has the eca logo on the front on the back it actually says elk calling academy so there's my little bit of modeling that's all you guys are gonna get so all right so let's talk about you know me and my background so i started archery hunting for elk back in the late 80s uh you know when i started uh there were no videos around um Really, everything that you learned was out there in the field. We didn't have YouTube, we didn't have... Seminars, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was it was just really, really getting you know popular. And for the longest time, I didn't even use a diaphragm read. I used open open read cow calls, external read bugles. Um, I didn't have anybody to teach me calling. It was everything that I learned on my own. I managed to find. You know, some some pretty good, nice moves. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So, um, you know, pretty much I learned was just trial and error out there. And it really wasn't until um, 93 or 94 when I moved to Idaho and got in with a group of guys. And that's. When I really, really got passionate about elk hunting and really started, you know, learning diaphragm reeds and gagging on them and slobbering and figuring it out, and I managed to land a couple of positions within the hunting industry. Uh, you know, bugling bull game calls. It's now Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, owned by Rocky Jacobson. I spent ten years with that company. Um, you know, Rocky's right-hand guy, filming for the DVDs, traveling around. Doing doing sports shows, doing seminars all over the Northwest and up into Canada. I resigned from Rocky's company about five years ago. Uh, kind of acted as an independent for a little bit, uh, w- working with other call companies on developing their reeds. Um, some of those reeds are still on the market today. Then I took a position as pro staff director for Point Blank Hunting Calls, which is the old Larry D. Jones call company, um, and then just started working with you know other companies and. You know, kind of funny story about how Outcalling Academy got started is I got a phone call from a local archery shop here and they said they had a guy come in that wanted some lessons and he was willing to pay. And I had worked with people in the past and I told them, oh, not a big deal. Just give me his phone number. I'll call him. From the time I hung up the phone until the time I called him, it was funny. One of my kids came up and said, Dad, I want to take swimming lessons. And that's when it kind of dawned on me and went, wait a minute, we can pay for swimming lessons, guitar lessons, drum lessons, dance lessons, banjo lessons, pretty much all this other stuff. Why not out calling lessons? Because I remember what it was like when I started, I it just it would have been great to have somebody there to, you know, say, hey, do this or try that. Or it, it definitely would have lowered the frustration for sure. So so that is how Elk Calling Academy came about. It's basically sharing with you guys the knowledge that I've learned over the 30 years and have enjoyed tremendous success all on public land in multiple states. I've hunted uh, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Montana, Colorado. Um, so I have hunted, you know, a few other states, and like I said, all on all on public land. So there's a few things that i've kind of learned over that time frame and you know we we, we've talked about a few of them um you know definitely match your surroundings um but i was i was on a lesson tonight and i was you know we were kind of talking about a few things and, and it just dawned on me and i think. One thing that a lot of people struggle with is that they don't really, you know, they want to be successful, but they don't put the time in. I mean, yeah, they took the put the time in training their body. They put the time in tuning their equipment and shooting their equipment and becoming efficient at that. But you know, quick question: How many of you really study elk? How many of you really study their behaviors, their body language, their vocalizations? So, I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that really leads to a lot of success is is really understanding the quarry that you're chasing. Um, and and in tonight's lesson, we were we were talking about nervous barks and what. Kind of got me thinking about this is you know so many people when they just hear a nervous bark they they think it's you know it's it's over that's it um the elk are done and that's not the case at all but really what also got me thinking was because there's a nervous bark <laughs> And then there's something else that's called a roundup bugle that bulls will do. <laughs> so even though with that roundup bugle has kind of a, a soft bark at the beginning of it. Um, a lot of people, as soon as they hear that, because they haven't studied, because they haven't learned the vocalizations or the behaviors, they're immediately like, wow, this bull's barking at me. He's not comfortable. and Or, nope, it's done. He saw us or winded us or this or that. And they throw their hands up in the air and off they go. But had they put the time in to study elk and study their vocalizations, they would have known what the situation was. And, and I think You know this kind of ties into last week with understanding elk vocalizations Um, you know understanding what's going on and understanding the situation allows you to do the right vocalizations back the vocalizations that fit with that current scenario and what's going on so um rod iverson what's your favorite state to hunt You know, that's a tough one because, you know, Montana, we had a blast when we hunted Montana. We actually didn't even get over to Montana until October 1st. Uh, It was kind of cool as October or or Montana goes until middle of October. And so, um, you know, we hunted the whole month of September here in Idaho and then went over to Montana for, you know, those last couple of weeks. Got into a lot of bulls. um, Got into a lot of big bulls over there the terrain was interesting um you know colorado was an insane amount of elk um i I think one day over there um the best day we had um got 26 27 bulls in one day going It, it just it was unreal and the quake and aspens i love hunting elk in quake and aspens when they're golden and colorado is perfect for that um i just don't like the drives so i mean it's really hard with me being here in idaho that i can drive an hour and a half two hours from my house be in camp be an elk versus driving you know 10-plus hours to go to Colorado or Montana. So um, so I'm going to lean right now Idaho uh, is my favorite state just because the diversity that we have to hunt elk in this state. You know, we can hunt them in the thick pines. We can hunt them in the junipers and cedars. We can hunt them in the sagebrush flats. Uh, you know, a mixture within the area that we're hunting. So... Um, really really a good mix here in idaho so uh is idaho an easy draw there's actually a lot of um, areas here in idaho that are over the counter a lot of those areas are capped to non-residents those tags go on sale in december they're on sale for non-residents right now so you could certainly go online and get um you know a non-resident tag uh for idaho um looks like rod you're from wisconsin so um 1150 miles from wisconsin to where we hunt yeah that's that's a pretty good jaunt for you guys so but that's the case with a lot of people you know in the middle part of the united states to the eastern part you know they have to travel quite a bit so and that's that's one of those things that You know, doing the studying, putting the time in, making the most, especially for you guys, because that's that's a pretty good expense for you guys to come out to, you know, whatever state you come out here and hunt. Um Honestly, if I was going to steer somebody to a state right now, I would say, you know, for over-the-counter opportunities, Colorado, um, just because of the number of elk that are in Colorado. So, you guys, you guys hit Montana. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there's good pockets in in Montana, too. But just with the elk numbers I saw, I saw a lot more in Colorado than what I did in Montana. But then again, the time of year that we were there, too. So, um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of services out there for you guys that are out of state um, that you can uh, really narrow it down and find some good, good information. I would more say you know do the uh on on hunt i think it's on hunt or hunt wise i don't i don't remember anyways but anyways there's there's a program out there that really gives you guys some great information so mark michael and i should hook up and go yeah i know mark we never have shared a camp together or gone so all right uh scotch mid lessons are well spent thank you appreciate that the ever famous good one dave uh, I'm still learning. I study elk from early April to January. Uh, does the habitat affect vocalizations used by the elk, high desert versus pine or cedars? They're still going to be vocal. Um, you know, the thing is, is it doesn't affect their vocalizations so much, Rich, as it affects their behavior a little bit more. Because when it's, you know, high desert and open, um, they can see a lot farther so they can see where that elk is, you know, making the sound. They don't have to get as close as they do in thicker vegetation. So your setups are really, really critical. Um, when you're in more open areas like that, you really have to use topography, lay of the land, um, and I mean your setup is the most cru- crucial piece, anyways. Um, so you just kind of have to think a little bit differently when you're when you're more wide open. Go hunt! Thank you guys. Go hunt is the app. So, all right uh boss elk hunter from instagram what's your favorite bow brand you know i've been a fan of PSE for years um I have shot other brands. I was actually a factory shooter for Bowtech for a little while. Um, but PSE is just a, a bow brand that I keep going back to. It, it fits my style. I, I, I did shoot Hoyt for a couple of years. I shot Matthews for one year. Um, but PSE really, really keeps drawing me back. Um, You know, currently, right now, I'm shooting the Carbon Stealth that they came out with last year. Although, I will be honest, I am really curious about the new Matthews Traverse. Um, I have a friend that was a diehard Hoyt shooter and factory staff shooter for 20-plus years. He actually just switched over to that um, Matthews Traverse this year after shooting it. So, I'm kind of curious. I definitely want to go in and, and shoot it. So... PSE is the best show on the mountain. They make make good bows. So, all right. uh, Rich Sampson, already bought archery tag for 2019, traveling from Minnesota. Very nice. Um, You know, best of luck to you guys. Safe travels. So, uh, Idaho Outdoor Attic, do you hunt any other game than elk? Absolutely. So, I'm out there all year. So, I... uh, um, You know, hunt turkeys and bear in the spring, um, you know, in the fall. Archery for elk is kind of my time. And then, you know, we rifle hunt for deer where I go with my wife and and my kids. Um, You know, antelope hunting, do predator hunting during the winter. So, yeah, it definitely is... Any opportunity I can to get out there, Um, you know, spring turkey and spring bear, I actually use it kind of as early scouting um, for elk and always, always checking out new areas, you know, while I'm out. So, but yes, definitely do hunt other things besides just elk. So I know down here where I do all this, I just have only elk uh, up in the living room, though. There's antelope and deer and bear rugs. And so Definitely do get out after more. So, um, okay. So, yeah, education, you know, kind of getting back on this. So, and since you guys were nice enough to help me with the Go Hunt app, um, the Go Hunt app is one of those things that I'm kind of curious how many of you will kind of research Mm -hmm. Go Hunt or even go to the fish and game offices for the state that you're looking at and start looking at harvest statistics, success ratios in the area that you're going. But also taking that a step further because I know a lot of states will give you a success percentage, but then they'll also give you a percentage of six point or larger within those harvests. So you can really get a good idea of... The size of animals in these areas that you're looking at but in the comments section down below or you know in the live chats let me know how many of you guys have actually picked up the phone and called a fish and wildlife biologist in the state that you were looking to go hunt or even you know for those of you guys that hunt your local state how many of you have ever picked up the phone and called a game biologist so let me know in the comments. Would love to hear. Uh, Mark, you need to draw a sheep tag in Nevada. I'll guide you. Yeah, I've got I've got a few things on my hit list. So, um, desert bighorn, doll sheep, mountain goat. So, uh, let's see. Uh, sure is it Sir Richter's? Okay. This year it seemed I was getting more responses if I was higher than or equal in elevation to the elk. Was it by chance or is this something? No, your, your chances of getting response and also really calling in that bull are are going to be dramatically higher when you're on that same elevation or same plane with the elk. And that's, that's one of those things that, again, it kind of goes in to understanding elk behaviors, understanding how they move. You know, if, if they're down in the bottom of a canyon feeding early in the morning and then they're working up onto the hillside and you go bebopping into that canyon in the morning, you know, late morning and you start tooting and, and they haven't heard, you know, elk down there, they're all used to elk being up on, you know, their level. you're you're more apt to have them respond once you're up on that level because that's what they're used to. They're used to hearing elk up on that level. And plus, the fact that you're up on that level, um, you know, thermals are in your favor. Uh, It's more naturally relaxing for them because nobody really has the advantage you know there's not the higher ground lower ground you're kind of on that even keel so that's the reason that you're getting more responses when you're kind of on the same elevation with them so Uh, hot sense all the time. They're public servants. That's our job is to pass on pertinent information that you asked for. Do not be afraid to call them. They will give you the honest truth. At least they do in Nevada. And that's exactly the point that I was going to get to right there. It's amazing the information that you can get by calling a biologist. These are the, these are the people that are out in the field in that area that you're looking to hunt you know they're they're monitoring their herds they're watching the activity they know the health of the herds they they have a pretty good idea of bull to cow ratio you know, and a lot of times, you can get some really, really good information from them and really narrow down some of these information and pockets that you're looking for, especially with you guys that are coming out from, you know, back east and you're having to travel so far, you don't have the access to scout on a regular basis, um, you know, like some of us that live out here that, you know, we can jump in the truck and drive two hours and we're scouting for elk and, you know, you guys are driving for 20 hours, so, you Use these free resources that are there for your advantage. Do as much homework as you can. Another thing, um, you know, go to a library. Pull up elk behavior. Pull up elk biology. You know, read. Read about these guys. Um, Pull up YouTube. Watch videos. Watch their behaviors. Listen to their vocalizations. Um, These are all... Things and tips that are really, really going to help you out in the field because the, you know, knowledge is power. The, the more you understand, the more you recognize and, and the more natural it becomes. So, um, you know, we we talked about it last week, um, you know, with uh, the, the location versus, you know, the challenge bugle and the difference Well, if you haven't listened to a ton of elk, you can misconstrue what's, you know, what that elk is is, is saying. And then you say something that doesn't even fit within the realm of, of, you know, what you're trying to do you know the picture that you're trying to portray remember calling what we're doing is basically just trying to give that elk a reason to come in but it's got to fit it's got to make sense so you know i touched on it um you know a week or two ago about uh you know, travel into a foreign country, um, you know where they don't speak English. You can run around and speak English all day long and try to convey and ask, and they're just not going to understand. But as soon as you do a little bit of research and understand that language, there you're going to c- communicate a whole lot better, and your time's going to be a whole lot more enjoyable. So, uh, Jack from Facebook, what are your thoughts on Hunt and Fool? Um, I, I'm still on the fence about that one, Jack. Um, I know a few people that are involved, you know, with Hunt and Fool. Um, I, I kind of looked into it a little bit when they first really got going, and didn't really dive too deep into it. I, I, I really need to look at it a lot closer. So, um, I'm gonna take the easy way out on that, Jack, and just tell you I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. So. Uh, bugle me this. I look at previous harvest stats, find who the regional biologists and wardens are, um, as forms of research. Perfect, and that's exactly what you want to do. Look at the historical sat- look at the historical stats in that area that you're looking at, because it could be that you just if you just look at the previous year, it, it could have been something in that year that was out of the norm. You know, maybe there was a large fire in the unit next to it and, and it pushed a lot more elk numbers into that area so now all of a sudden you're seeing inflated harvest, you know, stats for that area. And and if you didn't go back, you know, 5 years and look at the stats for each of those years, if you only looked at that one year, you're like, "Holy cow, this thing's a gold mine." Then you go there and it's a ghost town. You know, there's not much at all, and then you're left scratching your head, going, "Well, wait a minute, this is not depictive of the information that I saw." So that's why when you're doing, you know, your research, go back more than just the previous year. Um, I like going back at least five years and kind of getting a five-year average, especially when I'm looking for, you know, new spots. So. Uh, DROC DPU, I try to use all the above. Any resources that are available, yes, I've called and spoke with them. Perfect. Barry, yes. Lucas, I've chatted with Fish and Wildlife. Scott, I've called a biologist and called enforcement officers several times, both very helpful. Perfect. So, yes. So,. Charles from YouTube. Hey, Michael, how was your new year? It was good. It was low-key. Uh, we all just stayed in and, and played games with uh, with the kids, played board games and stuff. Um, they had friends come over, and, and so it was kind of a, a low-key. I did actually make it to midnight. I think I, I got into bed at th- 12.01, 12.02. I didn't make it too much after midnight, so... Uh, Grind Hard Outfitters, units change from year to year. Um I assume, grind hard. That, that you mean the statistics of the units change from year to year. So, um, which yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with you. There's a, there's a lot of factors that can um, you know look in there. And that you know that just reminded me of something else. When you guys are looking at these 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 stats, don't just look at the um, percent for success. So, also look at the number of tags, the number of days. I mean, look at all of that information. Get that whole picture. Because, again, you know, it could be an odd year where you look at a unit, high success rate, but it could have had, for some reason... A, quite a bit lower number of actual people hunting it so again that's going to skew that information so again that's just another reason why you want to get at least that five-year average on number of hunters you know the success ratio and of that success ratio how many were six point or larger then it goes into you know what do you want? You know, do you want any elk? Do you want a six-pointer larger? So, you know, these are all information that you need to gather even before you start heading out that way. So SoCal Gunner, if I draw a Tule Elk tag in Cali, would you come out and help and do Tule Elk also act like Rocky Mountain elk? So SoCal, it would depend on what time of year it was and what i had going on now as far as tule elk yes they will still act like rocky mountain i mean elk or elk they still have the rut behavior they still have the estrus cycle they still have all that the one thing that's different is tule elk's bugle is actually higher pitched it's quite a bit higher pitched than what the rocky mountains are and 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 the roosevelts are Um, but as far as their actual rutting behavior and their biology and all that, they're they're still the same. So they're still going to rut the same. They're still going to behave the same. They're still going to, you know, grow the antlers in velvet, rub the rub the velvet off to get hard horn, you know, get their harems, everything like that. So. Thomas John, I wanna chase Red Stag in New Zealand sometime in my life. And I hope that you have a chance to do that. That's a, that's a good one to have on the list there. Michael Hamilton from YouTube, I've called the game biologist for the area of Washington that I hunt several times. I've been researching Go Hunt and really interested in it. There is a lot of good information that Go Hunt has. The Go Hunt team actually does put in the work and the effort. Um, and I really think that, you know, the information that they provide on each of the each of the zones and each of the units is really accurate. Um, so you really can get a lot of good information on GoHunt. I know it is a paid app. To get into a lot of that information but they also have some pretty cool giveaways that if you manage to win one of the giveaways a lot of times the stuff that they give give away is actually worth more than um, what you paid for the app so um, but it is a really really good tool um, I see a lot of advantages with Go Hunt for people that are going out of state. Um, it's a great place to start. I did use it for a little while. I think I paid for it for a year or two. Um, didn't use it a ton here in Idaho just because... Um, you know with all the years of uh, of hunting here and hunting you know different parts of the state um have actually learned you know the state but if you're going out of state or looking for draw hunts go hunt is a great tool all right you guys are having great interaction again i love it so i know last week uh instagram was was a great great contributor so Uh, Rich Sampson from YouTube, I used the website for Idaho and Stats for 2017. In Minnesota, DNR publishes anticipated deer per acre populations throughout the different hunting zones. Yeah, and that's one of the things that you're not really going to find that information online a lot. That's where you're going to have to pick up the phone and... um you know, really get on the phone with, you know, the biologist and the fishing game within those areas. And that's where you can get population numbers, uh, bull to cow ratios. Um, you know, let, let, let's kind of talk about bull to cow ratios and, and why bull to cow ratios is is important. When you're looking for areas to go hunt, you want to find areas that have a higher bull to cow ratio you know 25 bulls per 100 cows or 30 bulls per 100 cows Um, you find areas like that what that means is during the rut you're going to have more bulls which means more competition which leads to more breeding activity which means to more bugling which means to more excitement so Definitely look for those higher bull-to-cow ratios. If you can find areas that are 25 bull to 100 cows or, or higher, those are going to be good areas to focus on. Once you start getting down to about 10 bulls per 100 cows or even below 10 bulls per 100 cows, you are going to not find as much bugling activity, Um, You know, not find as much bugling action. They're still going to rut. But honestly, if, if this bull has a group of cows and there's not another bull around... He's really not going to be bugling that much. He's still going to be doing your lower tones, your glunks, your huffs, grunts, and whines, and that kind of stuff. But as far as really loud vocalizations, he doesn't have to because he doesn't have to be defensive. He doesn't have to protect and defend those cows as much. So Kong Valley Collective, good evening, brother. Shit looks great. Just wanted to stop in and say we appreciate you. Jonathan, appreciate that. For those of you guys that aren't familiar over on Instagram, Kong Valley Collective is a group of guys that are really put together to bring the fun back into hunting and you know the values that you know a lot of you know we grew up with and and had with with hunting they're they're bringing that back and right now they're doing 31 days of giveaways some pretty cool things they're giving away so if you guys don't follow them on instagram make sure you head over and follow kong valley collective all right Back to the goodies. Andrew Walla, 35 hours from Texas. That's a long drive. Larry Bennett, I just got back from the Oregon Fish and Wildlife tonight and had a good talk with them. Outstanding. And yeah, if you guys, you know, if, if you can even go into, you know, local fish and game, if you are hunting within your own state, and you're, you're kind of curious about other areas. You can also go into the Fish and Game offices, especially I know here in Idaho. You can go in and sit down, and a lot of these biologists will actually pull maps out and, and really give you some good, good information. So, um, again, use these tools. Um, why is Washington State info not included on the Go Hunt site? I don't know i don't think i i thought washington was on there i guess i've never really looked uh close enough to the washington Hmm. i don't know let me research that one and i'll uh i'll get back to you on that one i don't have a good answer for that right now so uh thomas from facebook i'm going out to colorado this summer to scout with my hunting partner good luck to you guys have a safe trip bugled me this my go-to wildlife biologist told me that she liked how i asked questions that i just didn't expect her to give me spots to hunt moral of the story be nice and don't feel like you're owed anything perfect statement right there before you call them um, have your questions written down Have a plan. What information do you want to get? You know, really, you know, research the area, go through the hunt stats, write your questions down, then get on the phone. You know, they're busy. So if you call them prepared with your questions and do it in a friendly manner and just have a normal conversation with them, you are going to get a ton of info. So, uh, Montvale, DM me. Maybe I can donate some stuff. Did I miss something? Hmm. Maybe I did. I don't know. So, uh, somebody just posted that Jim Carrey passed away today. In total shock. We'll always love Jim. That kind of threw me off. Um, I hadn't heard that. So... um, GC Calls, not to mention your first 46 or so Wappity Wednesday episodes. Yes, Freddie, thank you for the plug. There's a lot of great tools out there. There's a lot of great resources. Um, yeah, within our YouTube channel, you know, this is the 48th episode of Wappity Wednesday live Q&A. Um, you know, we have a whole... 12 to 14 video series of uh, Beginner's Guide to Elk Calling Academy. Um, oh, okay, Mark. Kong Valley. Okay, you threw me off. So, um, but yeah, there's th- there's a lot of great resources, you know, for for learning on, on YouTube. Of course, you know, would hopefully that, you know, you guys find enough information or value in, in what we're doing that you, you know, want to go watch our videos to learn more or come back for more of these episodes. So... Uh, Freddie, I like to listen to them while making GCs. I know, Jack always likes listening to them while he's running on the treadmill, so I guess it breaks up the uh, monotony. Uh, Charles Buchanan, any guys in Lewis County area in here? So if there's anybody um, in Lewis County, Charles Buchanan from the uh, YouTube channel. Awesome. Looking forward to getting back to our lessons. Yeah, Charles, we still have uh, quite a bit more to go over, but uh, definitely you've enjoyed uh, some pretty good success. So, Lucas, after this past season, I'd take any legal bull. So, And that's, that's one of those things that... So I kind of touched on Kong Valley and and I had a chance to um, call Jonathan Alexander a couple of weeks ago. And I just I just asked him, you know, what's what's your mission? What do you want to do with Kong Valley? And I I really liked what these guys stand for. Um, You know, we've, we've all seen it, you know, online and it's getting worse and worse about, um, you know, what do you think he scores or oh, he's not the biggest on the mountain or this or that. So these guys are really pushing, you know, to bring the love back, to bring the enjoyment back, to enjoy the journey um, Um, everything about that and what they stand for, I just, you know, really, really like. And, you know, Lucas, you saying you'd take any legal bull. I mean, that's the thing that, um... Is, is the real definition of success. You know, what did you have in your mind going out? What did you want to accomplish? And, you know, Lucas, any legal bull? And, you know, you go out next year and... You punch your tag on a, on a any little you know any legal bull, and and that to you is going to be a huge huge trophy. So, something popped in. I like this from uh, Hunt Dornings. Show up at biologist office at 11:55 and take them to lunch. Bring your questions in a notepad. You will fill it up. That is a great piece of advice right there. Because you are also giving back to that biologist, you're you're basically showing that biology or biologist that their time is valuable. I, I like that. That is, that is a great great tip right there. Thank you. So, uh, Lucas, go hunt ca- cover Canada. I don't believe it does. I think it's U.S. only. So it's September here yet. So, uh, Jay, what is your biggest Pope and Young Bull score? biggest bull that i have is 322 so um but what's funny is every person that i've hunted with and called with or called for over the years has definitely shot much larger bulls than i have so um you know for me it's it's not you know getting a bull that makes the book for me it's it's that experience was there something cool that happened during that hunt was there something unique about that bull was there something unique about the place and 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 it's those things that to me when i look at the rack on the wall it uh you know brings all those memories back and i get to relive that um whether it's like i said i've been i've been pretty pretty blessed to hunt with some Pretty cool people over the years. And so so some of those just kind of tie into that. So Zeno, welcome, David Crane. I'm late. Hey, better late than never. Scott, I want to win an elk calling competition this year. Any tips for competing compared to actually calling live elk? Yes. So the way that I call on stage is completely different than what I do out in the field. Competition calling is, you know, one of those things that, you know each judge looks for something a little bit different. You'll have some judges that look for variety, you know, to where you do a full gambit of different sounds. You know, they'll sit there on your scorecard and they'll tick for all the different sounds that you make, you know, like cow vocalizations, you know, are you doing, you know, muse and chirps and assembly muse and regathering muse, um, you know, barks, you know, all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's others that, Want to see control on the reed that you have full blown control of it, that your note transitions are smooth, that you have the ability to, you know, control those notes going up, that you can hold those notes that they don't flutter if you hit a long high note. So yeah, it definitely is a lot different, and and also you know the read that I choose for competition versus you know what I choose for hunting is is you know a lot different too, um, you, you know. When I choose a reed for hunting, I want a reed that I have the ability to do, you know, the full gambit of sounds that I can do, cow vocalizations, bull vocalizations, I have good control on it, it doesn't take much air, but in a competition... I will pick a reed specifically for cow sounds, you know, something that has, you know, good depth and good tone, and and bugles. I want something that transitions easy, but has, you know, good volume, um, you know, and good bottom end. And so, yeah, there. Competition calling is is something that is a whole different ball game. Um, you know, from calling out in the woods. I know know some guys that are phenomenal competition callers. They're not that great elk hunters and vice versa. I know some guys that are extremely successful, you know, out in the elk woods. Couldn't win a contest to save their life. So definitely something different. So Scott, uh, get a hold of me. We can kind of talk about some, you know, approaches for competition calling. So... Um, Chris, I sure wish work would stop interrupting my viewing. Sorry about that, man. So, Charles, will breeding sequence still work in low bull to cow ratios? It will. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing with the breeding sequence is it, 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 it's one of those things that, you know, like we've talked about where... Um, the bulls recognize their vocalizations. They recognize the sounds that you're making are associated with the rut and they 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 recognize that. So yes, it will still be effective. You may not get as much bugling action in return. You may get more slipping in quiet. So Scott, I'm already a few lessons in and have some fresh Marcos in hand. Yes, on the Marcos. And, Scott, make sure you really press that tape on the frame before you uh, really uh, really get to calling on it. So, okay, bugle me this. No, he's not dead. Okay, probably a social media fact. Okay. Yeah, just that kind of threw me off a little bit there. So, Uh, what I miss? Work late. Jeremy, quite a bit. You're going to have to go back to the start. So, Charles, what do you think of Eastman's members' research? You know, Eastman's does a good job with their research as well. Um, When I kind of compared the two, I think (sighs) – To me, I think I got more value out of Go Hunt than I did Eastman's. I haven't looked at Eastman's in a while, so I don't know if they've changed, um, you know, their format or changed the type of information they they were giving. So this is, you know, a couple of years back. So, um, you know, Go Hunt at that time definitely had had more. If you have the opportunity, maybe reach out to a group of friends. Maybe one of you gets Go Hunt, one of you gets Eastman's, you know, and you guys can can kind of um, compare um, notes from both of them and, and just kind of, you know, get a good picture that way, so... Andrew Walla, I have studied the Elk 101 program, most of what the Elk Nut has said, and row resources. Elk Calling Academy is my favorite due to the well-rounded education, not just calling much appreciated. Andrew, thank you. Um, That is a huge compliment. Uh, You know, one thing that I I recommend to all the students when I talk about, and you know, this whole deal with education is, you know, go listen to others, you know, the other programs that you've you've mentioned, there are some great resources as well. know chris Rowe at Row hunting resources he is a biologist so what he brings in elk behavior on the biology backs and biology side of it is you know some great information um but definitely yeah go check out others uh if you have opportunities to you know go to seminars and listen to other people speak uh i still enjoy going to seminars and, and listen i'll i'll sneak in sometimes and, and sit there and listen to uh the other guys i mean it's just It's elk hunting, it's talking elk hunting. So, uh, Jack is ripped. He's a workout machine, good stuff. I sit and make calls, Chunky Monkey. (laughs) Did you hear that, Jack? Freddy's calling you, uh, calling you ripped. So, all right, feeding my family is my main goal. Any bull that gives me the opportunity works for me. See that right there. That is one thing that I absolutely love. Um, it's it's going out there with a purpose to feed the family. I mean, you, you know, John, we're the, we're the same way. Wild game is all we eat in our house. Um, it's just something that we've always done, especially with my wife having sarcoid, which is an autoimmune disease, which is treated with protein. Well, wild game's the purest form of protein. And we've all seen the memes out there a couple of times lately that, uh, you know what, wild game meat has never been recalled. So I like that. So, uh, okay, Hunt Dornings, just wondering on arrow weight with you and your hunting buddies. High to low end. Hunt, um, are you are you talking about what our arrows weigh? So, um, my arrows are about uh, right in that four sixty 460 to four hundred sixty five grain range. So I am switching. I'm going to add about five more grains for this year. I'm not sure what the other guys are are, are running. So I think. Uh, I think I'm on the heavier end because I run more FOC. Um, I run uh, about 195 grains out front. This year I'm going to bump that up to 200 grains um, just for more FOC. for those of you that aren't familiar with FOC, let me know in the comments down below if, if, if you guys want to, you know, have an episode one of these nights where we really get into equipment and FOC and and speed and all that kind of stuff. I would be more than happy to dive into that with, uh, with you guys. So, um, but let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in talking about. So... Uh Jay. Thank you. Very nice bull. Absolutely. So, Charles, I agree. Outcalling Academy is amazing. Michael cares and loves to share his knowledge. You guys, you know, you guys know that I was going to talk tonight about giving away the champ, and and so you guys are just kind of buttering me up to uh, uh, pick a uh, pick a winner, aren't you? So, Danny, watch Corey Jacobson's videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, Go watch Cory's, go watch, you know, Born and Raised, go watch Chris Rowe, um, any video, The Mountain Project. The Mountain Project has some great elk hunting videos that you can watch and learn some great elk behavior at. Uh, Chris Rowe has a YouTube channel, uh, Pure Elevation. So, um, Angry Spike Productions, Angry Mountain Productions. There's there's a lot of avenues out there that you can find and, and really watch and listen to elk. So, Chris, Jack is a beast. Hope I can keep up with him. I thought he was trying to kill me before. Now I'm dead meat. So, um, James Coon, sorry, man, I'm late. Helping friend hunt, riding mule deer in New Mexico in the snow. What did I miss? You guys are awesome. You should run a contest for winning a hunt with you. that's a tricky situation charles i was actually going to do that a few years ago idaho has some really funny laws with illegal outfitting and and so it's something that i'm really really careful about that um i don't want to get tagged i would love to be able to do that uh, but just the the way the laws are written in idaho it just it I think I better stay away from that one. So, Scott, sounds like more lessons are in order. Freddie, you make it to Utah. I'll be there. Hey, Freddie, guess what? I already made it to Utah. So, I will be in the finals July 11th through the 13th. So, uh, you will be at Hunt Expo. Yes, I will. So, as a cheerleader, dang it. Uh, David, this is off topic and something you really haven't touched on since I have been watching your episodes. What are you doing to stay in elk shape in general? I'm not getting any younger and would love to hunt until I can't move anymore. I know each person is at their different levels in hunting. I'm more of a backcountry guy, but I do hunt with guys that don't like hunting like that. If you could just break down general a workout that work on all levels. Thank you. Yeah, David. um I haven't touched a, a bunch on it. Um, there's there's a couple of programs that you know I really support and I believe in. Um, one of them is iHuntFit. Uh, neat thing about iHuntFit, uh, they offer workout programs, and you can choose your workout program whether you're working out at home or working out at the gym. I do have a gym membership, but because of my schedule, it's really, really hard. So here at the house, I have an elliptical machine. I have a Concept 2 rowing machine, an adjustable bench, adjustable dumbbells, some kettlebells, a couple of battle ropes. And I actually am just getting... um, Looking into ordering in some of the TRX bands for uh, you know body weight and support and just adding another another level. Um, so, I'm not one of those guys that work out seven days a week. Um, David, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm turning 49 this year. So, you know, each, each year I have to do more and more to, you know, get out there and hit the Hills. Um, But I really like the the program that Matt Hartsky and the team at iHunt Fit puts out because it's it, it's fresh. It's not monotony. It's you're not doing the same thing. And I know Jack's been doing iHunt Fit, both the workout and the meal planning. Um, so that's another crucial item is you know the meal, you know what you're putting into your body, um, you know how you're refueling and recharging in between those. So, but I hunt fit is definitely a good program that I use. And then Stephen, he's on Instagram, um, huntfit08 I think is his handle. He just started a new program for backcountry hunting. His program. So okay, I hunt fit really has seven days a week workouts Um, even though i I get the workouts from them i don't work out a full seven days Um, you know i normally hit four to five days a week steven's program is based on working out three days a week it also does have daily meal prep Um, it has some coaching calls involved in it Um, so kind of some neat features on that one um, that one's $97 a month, um, but that's a workout program and a meal plan. Um, I know with the iHunt Fit, it's, uh, you know, roughly $25, 28 for the workout you know, for the four weeks, um, I'm not sure what they charge for the meal prep. I know, you know, Jack does the the meal prep as well. So the one thing, David, that I really find here lately is I focus a lot more on movements that um, kind of give muscle endurance um you know still getting muscle strength but muscle endurance is is the bigger thing that i've noticed especially as getting older you know out there the endurance is a lot more so um but yeah those two programs i am <coughs> excuse me i am thinking about bringing matt or steven on and recording a session with them to dive into you know that topic a lot deeper so maybe I will do that for, um, you know, future episode here in the next uh, next couple of weeks. So, all right, Kendall, I may be going to my first Colorado Elk hunt in 2019. What's a good call for a newbie? Kendall, there's a lot of variables in that question. You know, what's a good call? Uh, Are you looking for an external read call? Are you looking for a diaphragm read call? Can you use a diaphragm? And what I mean by the diaphragm is maybe you've never used an elk diaphragm read, but how about a turkey read call? If you're looking for a diaphragm, a really good one for newbie is the Rip It Red from Native by Carlton the mellow yellow mama from rocky mountain hunting calls or the um green amp from phelps game calls those would be three that i would really recommend for a newbie to get started on so uh uh-oh is instagram gonna kick me off looks like instagram's gonna kick us off so we're at that hour mark anyways guys so we're gonna wrap it up for tonight so I know there's quite a few more questions in here. I'm going to go through and write some of these questions, and we will start with um, some of these questions for next week. Friday's video is the uh, review of the Badland, Badlands Sacrifice LS. It will go live on our YouTube channel at 6. So make sure you jump over if you're looking for a new pack this year check out the review and see what we think of the Badlands. As far as the champ goes... Okay, for those of you that did not fill your elk tag this year, let me know. Let me know if you did not fill your elk tag this year, and I'm just going to draw one random winner of those that have not filled their oak tag and i'm gonna pick a random winner to win the champ and i will give that away next week on wednesday so uh all right guys hey again thanks for tuning in really appreciate your support again another great interactive night i absolutely would not be able to do this without you guys so thank you so much as always keep calling keep practicing most importantly have fun while you guys are doing it and we will see you guys next week on the next episode of Wappity Wednesday Q&A brought to you by Elk Calling Academy. Have a great, great week, everybody.
1: Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening.